Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. This is a show where we talk about things that are good, things that we like. Yes. Things that we're into. Let's cut the BS. <laughs> what if this episode from Once We Cut the BS and the baloney and we gave it to you straight? Well, that is what BS stands for, right? Baloney. Sandwich. Sandwich. <laughs> BS stands for baloney sandwich, of course. That's what I learned at church from uh-huh. Pastor Cal. <laughs> Pastor Cal from Married at First Sight. Uh, he was my pastor growing up. He just taught me a lot of uh, really important life lessons. Can I say something that I've, I I follow him on Instagram? That's exceptional news. <laughs> and just the other day, his most recent post was, a lot of people ask, am I really a pastor? And then he like had a clip on his Instagram of him giving a sermon. I bet he's great at that. But I still didn't really believe it. Oh, okay, interesting. (laughs) I was like, he probably just put this together. I have to imagine he is a better pastor than he is matchmaker, because sort of statistically speaking, him and Dr. Pepper and whatever third expert they rotate in and out on that program, statistically pretty pretty bad, actually. I think he used to be a pastor. Okay. I don't doubt that he didn't, like, used to, you know. Well, you never get out of the game. Tread the boards. Tread the boards. <laughs> Isn't that he's what not do- I don't think he's tap dancing up there. Um, I mean, in a way. We're narrow casting pretty hard right now. <laughs> I, I, I will just say that once once you achieve the level of fame that he has, I imagine that you retire your robes, you know? Yeah, you are you are sort of defrocked by fame. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, do you have any small wonders to talk about today on the program, please, for me? Um, I'm going to say daytime television watching and not specifically daytime programming, but finding a break in your day to watch a television show that you don't get a chance to watch at night. I like that. I, um, you know, we have limited access uh, to our television, as we've talked about before. And so I had not watched any of White Lotus. And I just finished the first episode, uh, the second season specifically. Uh, I just finished the first episode today at a little a little nine thirty a.m. Watch. That's a good time to watch uh, a, a prestige drama, from what I understand. I've never seen White Lotus. I assume it's a prestige drama. I could be wrong. I feel like the biggest appeal with that show is that they are in like a exotic resort location, and okay. everybody is on vacation, and you get to watch it and feel like you are too. That's fun. Yeah, I like that. That's my small wonder. Uh, I'm going to say. Um, Game Sun Quick was really good this year. Uh, a lot of good runs, a lot of good speed runs. You've heard me talk about that so much on this show. Uh, Neon White was a game I got really into last year, which was all about basically speed running as fast as you can, and they they made a meal out of that one. That was fun. I bet every every time I uh, have like a little dinner break or something where I'm not watching our children with you, uh, I sneak away in the other room to eat a sandwich, a big sandwich from Jetty's or whatever. Watch a little bit of a speed run. Six minutes at a time. <laughs> and that is the way to do it. Uh, I go first this week. Yes. I'm bringing a music thing, a musical artist who I've only recently discovered. And so I don't, his career is gigantic and I do not lack, I, I do not possess most of the vernacular sort of required. So I'm going to be like a child stumbling in the desert, but I'm very excited about this artist whose name is Jun Fukamachi. He is a uh, a Japanese Jazz fusion composer, uh, mostly active in the 70s and 80s, 
And uh, I got served up a track by Jun Fukumachi in my Spotify weekly recommendations, which I've been slipping on, haven't tuned into for a while. And so when I got back on board, it came in strong with this dude and his music that I have become pretty much all in on at this point in my life. This is, I, I'm glad that you said that it was from the 70s and 80s because I, I listened to it and I was like, what a what a retro vibe this is. It has. is a retro vibe because it is from that time. He, uh, he, is, he is a synth pioneer, which like, you know, I'm a sucker for like the Mort Garson uh, type. He was born in 1946, started studying music basically immediately, uh, went to college for music and dropped out and then just started shredding on a shoulder-mounted Yamaha synth keyboard. Uh, and the rest was history. He composed uh, 48 albums in total, two of which were re- released uh, post-mortem. He died in, in 2010. Uh, and it's so, sort of in the same way that like Mort Garson got really into synths and then realized like, hey, I can use these to make a lot of different sounds. And so the type of music that I can create with this is limited only by my imagination. Uh, that That is very much sort of Jun Fukumachi's vibe as well. And so the type of music that he created really runs the gamut. Um, in the 70s, it was a lot of sort of uh, jazz fusion, funk-inspired stuff. In 1977... He gained sort of some early notoriety after he released an album with Toshiba, which was an all-synth cover album of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which I didn't know was a thing you could just do. It was just like, hey, everybody, do you like the Beatles? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might like them like this. He did a lot, a lot, a lot of ambient sort of synth stuff, a lot of sort of background music. A lot of soundtrack work, the biggest of which was for a super long-running Japanese anime series called Space Battleship Yamato. Uh, He released a whole album uh, of Space Battleship Yamato music in 1983. Uh, That same year, he released an album inspired by a manga series called Queen Emeraldus. The title of that album was Queen Emeraldus Synthesizer Fantasy, which slaps really hard, both the album and title for it. one ambient album of his that I really want to focus on is called Nicole. Jun Fukumachi sort of achieved cult status uh, in America when he composed a soundtrack for a fashion show uh, from a fashion designer named Mitsuhiro Matsu- uh, Matsuda, uh, who had a fashion line called Nicole, which was very, very powerful <laughs> that in and of itself. Uh, in 1982... There was a Nicole fashion show in New York City that was attended by Andy Warhol and Candace Bergen and other equally famous <laughs> famos uh, who were just reportedly just entranced by this 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 transportative music that they were hearing uh, and requested the music for more of their shows. And so his music sort of spread throughout the the New York fashion scene, culminating in a full album of music inspired by Nicole that he released in 1986 called Nicole 86 Spring and Summer Collection, which is just this super chill atmospheric synth fantasy. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll play a little bit of the opening track off that collection uh, called Morning Glow, which is just sort of piano and synth vibes that you can really just bliss out to or sit in like a I don't know a 1980s dentist's office waiting room <laughs> to
So that's like one big bucket of his work. He made, he made all of this very just sort of uh, dreamlike synth ambient music. But then also in the 70s, before he kind of got into that, his earlier stuff was all funky as hell, jazz fusion music, uh, a lot of which was inspired by, he came to New York and started to work with a lot of New York-based uh, session musicians uh, whose names I did not write down for for some reason, but he did a lot of work with, with all these big-name jazz session musicians uh, and started to write a lot of music that sounded a, like a lot of New York American jazz music yeah. that was coming out in the, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, one of the, the album of his that was sort of uh, the, the biggest release during this period was called On the Move. Uh, and I'm just going to play a little bit of the title track, the opening track of On the Move, which I sent to you earlier today. Yeah. was what you, I assume, listened to. It's so funky. Yeah. It's so funky. And uh, uh, pretty much every song on the album has this vibe that is really impossible to describe unless I think you're much, much smarter about this type of music than I am, where just like every 16 measures, it just becomes a new song. Yeah, yeah, With yeah, just yeah. like a different sort of time signature sometimes and a different instrumentation. Uh, but all of it, is so fun and like interesting to to listen to. I felt like when I was listening to it, I would be I felt like this would be a great opening song for like a a television show or a movie because yeah. it really like I don't know it it takes you to a very specific place you it, know it takes you on a journey yeah uh, the dude wrote basically fifty albums so like I feel uh, I am very enthusiastic about his music, but I feel really ill-equipped to give any kind of like biography or summary of of his work because it really was, it was enormous. This this man's creative output was, was uh, gigantic. But I find it really interesting that he was able to gain cult status in the fashion world with this one type of music and then gain status in the like jazz fusion funk world uh, with this type of music and then in the soundtrack world with this type of music. Uh, all the while, like composing on this sort of burgeoning new way of making electronic music yeah. that I find very exciting. Uh, but what's most exciting is like I, as a new listener of Jun Fukamachi's music, can just go on YouTube and type this dude's name in and listen to yeah. different kinds of music for literally hours every day, basically, since I've discovered him. I've just typed in his name on YouTube and just started listening and I have not gone wrong yet uh, <laughs> because I'm just really, really, really into all of the different vibes that he was able to capture throughout his career. I just, uh, from a uh, like pioneer of a new type of music standpoint, I find him very exciting, but also from just a, how does one, how is one person capable of writing all of these different kinds of music being so fucking good at it? Uh, I am always going to be very, very on board with that. 
So yeah. that's uh, Jun Fukumachi. Go listen to literally anything. I would recommend starting with On The Move. There's a live album that he did, which I, I think is called Jun Fukumachi and the New York All-Stars, uh, <laughs> that has some uh, live tracks off uh, On The Move on it, too. Uh, just join, join me on this odyssey through this dude's enormous body of work. And uh, before that happens, though, I would like to steal you away. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain parenting It's hard, but don't worry, you're not alone. Belly up to the low bar with One Bad Mother and let us remind you that fine is good enough. They want to climb on different things. And how am I supposed to keep them both from dying? (laughs) There is a right way to do this. And if I can figure out that right way, I'm going to be a good parent. So that is not a thing. So join us each week and let us tell you that you are doing a good job. You can listen to One Bad Mother on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Bullseye, Tom Hanks, as you've never heard him before. Mad, you moron. Thank you for the use of the turn signal. 
Way to use your blinker, idiot. That's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Are you ready? I am. My topic is so fun. Oh, boy. I'm excited to talk about this with you. More fun than uh, MC Scat Cat? <laughs> um, you know, it. I don't know. I don't know if they're, they're in such different categories. Okay. Um, but uh, maybe a similar level of energy. Okay. Uh, because what I'm talking about this week is the t-shirt cannon. Oh, my. Yeah, babe, you done done. <laughs> hey, babe, you done done it again. We we were watching a hockey game last week, and they were kind of the the camera was was panned out, and it seemed like everybody was turned staring at the camera, staring at us, which was scary. I thought it was they were weird looking at us to watch a sporting event and to have everybody in the audience instead of turned towards the actual event turned towards you, the viewer. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? And then I realized somebody was chucking t-shirts out. I don't believe using a cannon. No. I don't think you're allowed. To, I don't think it it's legal to use a caliber <laughs> garment rifle at close, at point blank range like that. Yeah, no, but it did make me think, I wonder what the story is with the t-shirt cannon. I have to know this Because it's like. It obviously seems exclusive to sporting events. I can't think of many other yeah. <laughs> situations in which you would want a T-shirt fired at you. No. I did go, this is like, this is Rachel Lore, but like it must have been 2008. I went to a filming of a Friday Night Lights episode that yeah. was taking place at, at like the UT football stadium. And they did throw T-shirts at me. And I know because I got hit by one. Um, in the head, but it was not a t-shirt cannon. Thankfully, Kyle Chandler threw it. No, that's he not threw true. it. Oh my god! Really. If only that were true. God, I would let Kyle Chandler throw. Then, if I ever met head. him, that would be my like. Yep, that would be my end. But yep. no, it wasn't Kyle Chandler. Um, it's Jesse Plemons. <laughs> god, that would be good too. That would be good. I would let most cast members from Friday Night Lights <laughs> throw a thing in my head. Um. But uh, but yeah, that's the closest I've ever come to a T-shirt. That was the other thing that I started thinking about was when there is a T-shirt cannon at a sporting event, I always think about those people who just like unselfconsciously will just wave their arms and jump up and down and shout for this T-shirt. Right. I am far too introverted and like too cool for school to like make a big production out of wanting a T-shirt. Well, I've always theorized that it is a combination of I would like free merch and also someone has a cannon pointed at me. <laughs> so I am, of course, going to sort of throw my I am going to put myself in a very sort of like, I don't know, I'll make myself big to scare the cannon wielder. <laughs> it For me, it's always the people that are like, hey, I would like a T-shirt. Who wouldn't like a T-shirt? Well, for me, it's I just like I'm too meek to be like to put my wants out See, there. That's why we you know? are. That's why we are a good couple. You would. You I'm, would... A, I'm excellent ex expressing my needs <laughs> yeah, in you? public. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the t-shirt cannon. The uh, I found a New York Times article from 2013 uh, with somebody who claims to be the inventor of the t-shirt cannon. Okay. Uh, now, the T-shirt cannon uses existing technology. So, you right. know, like a, like a potato gun, for example, similar similar in, in model. It's just know. compressed air, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. But the original T-shirt cannon, uh, Tim Dirk, 
who uh, was the coyote mascot for the San Antonio Spurs in the 1990s, uh, created one that weighed 90 pounds. Holy shit. (laughs) He said, quote, it was like carrying a TV set on your back. The gun was probably at least four feet long. It used a cast iron pipe. What? Yes. So this was a cannon in the traditional sense. Yes. This was a Vulcan, this was a flak anti-personnel t-shirt cannon. Yeah, so he dressed up as Rambo. Cool. Which, well, was the Spurs Coyote name. I don't know if okay. this is still true. You, this, it will, I would have no way of knowing. Uh, so he dressed up as a coyote and, and got it out into the, into the stands. The whole focus prior, prior had been slingshots. Do you, do you remember this as a thing? Slingshots? Yeah. Like it was like a big, like two person slingshot situation where you would fire shirts out. I remember going to games where this would happen. And I think it still does in some places where instead of a a gun, you have like a a big slingshot. I I was born onto the battlefield after (laughs) the invention of the, of the cannon, I suppose. Um, the slingshot had limited range, um, and they really wanted to and know, accuracy. It's hard to aim a slingshot, yeah. especially well, and they when wanted two to reach are. like the cheap seats. You know, yeah, like sure. let's let's get let's get the people up at the top. You yeah. know, they never get anything. Really blast them. <laughs> uh, so so he says, uh, Dirk uh, says that him and the Phoenix Gorilla were two of the pioneers. <laughs> the Phoenix Gorilla. I all guess right. also a uh, a mascot for uh, I'm assuming basketball. I guess yeah. I don't, I'm not familiar with the sport. <laughs> I'm um, pretty. Sh- I'm also not very familiar with basketball, but I don't think there's an NBA team called the Phoenix Gorillas. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. <laughs> well, but the mascot doesn't always have to match. I think it's the Suns. The Phoenix Sun. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Okay, I don't know. But here's the thing: Sun like, gorilla. it's not like it's the Philadelphia Gritties. Like, the mascot doesn't have to match the name of the yeah, team. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay, so uh, in the 1990s, this this guy uh, Tim Tim Dirk, he decides like he's going to go into business with this t-shirt cannon. Like, sure, this is going to be his thing, and so he created an advertisement uh, dressed in his coyote costume. Uh, pretending to solder the gun in a machine shop himself. Cool. But he, he did outsource. He did not build the machine himself. That's but, probably for the best. Uh, if he didn't know how to do that. That seems like dangerous. But yeah, it was. It was a, a CO2 canister and he wore it backpack style. Cool. Um, but it, I mean, it was it was enormous, as I mentioned. Like it was a very heavy thing that 90 pounds with a cast iron pipe nowadays it's you know mostly pvc based i would yeah it's only it's only a few pounds but he kind of he kind of got it started and everybody everybody took suit he uh in 1996 uh brought it out and everybody was like i've got to have one of those can you imagine (laughs) being in the crowd the first time (laughs) a coyote walked out wearing a a backpack mounted. <laughs> I imagine he weapon. had to be like, "These are t-shirts, guys. It's okay. These are t-shirts. These are going to be t-shirts." They, 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 he was probably in cahoots with the announcer, who was probably like, "Okay, folks, listen. What is about to happen is going to seem quite scary and upsetting at first blush. This giant wolf man is going to aim a large caliber weapon at you. Do not fear, everybody. They're t-shirts. It's okay. They they're are t-shirts. t-shirts. How fast are they going to come out? We don't know." Because this is new. It's new. It might be fast. 
He is. Don't be afraid, but be <laughs> sort of aware of alert. your surrounding. Be alert, but not afraid. <laughs> Maybe a little afraid. He uh, he did test it prior to the game. He went to uh, Coors Field, uh, which is the baseball stadium, and stood at home plate and fired it out into the stands just okay, to see, it. like, okay, is this going to work? And, and it did. Uh, and then... Yeah, a bunch of other people followed. Uh, Ken Solomon, uh, also known as the Rocky Mountain Lion, uh, was cheering at the Denver Nuggets game and immediately had a friend build him one. Cool. Um, And it took off. Then the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, NHL, everybody's got t-shirt cannons now. Sure. Uh, And they typically weigh like two pounds. Yeah. Now, technology has advanced significantly. Can I buy a t-shirt cannon online, do you think? How fucking fun would that be at the next live show? Because you're just like. I, I, you probably can't. I'm wondering, like, it seems like you should have to get a license. I know. That's what I'm concerned about. Like, you guys would really have to test it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, this is a bad idea and I won't do it because it's, a, I don't want to be held liable for, you know. There have been injuries associated with it. Well, Mott, that... Mott Flanders sort of thing. <laughs> Got very deeply injured, I would say. I found them very comical to read about, but I imagine I shouldn't share. Probably not comical to the person who got blasted. (laughs) I should not share that information. No. But I would encourage you, if you are interested in t-shirt cannon-related injuries, to look into it. Sure. If you're Um, a monster, (laughs) I guess. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention, in 2012, the Philadelphia 76ers created their own cannon, which was a 600-pound uh, weapon that could fire a hundred shirts every sixty seconds. That's too much. Why uh, would you need that? <laughs> and then the Milwaukee Bucks, shortly after, introduced a triple barrel gun that could propel vests and jackets. Okay. Uh, also fired out of a t-shirt cannon uh, include things like hot dogs and popcorn. <laughs> I love that. People have gotten experimental with this, to be sure. You can buy a t-shirt cannon on Amazon for $800. Uh, I will also say in 2019, a woman was arrested after being caught trying to deliver contraband, including cell phones, chargers, earbuds, and drugs, by shooting it over the fence of a correction center in Oklahoma with a t-shirt cannon. Awesome. (laughs) That's cool. So, so. Everybody apparently has had your idea before of like, I could just buy a t-shirt cannon myself. Not everybody has had the idea to use it Yeah, for illicit materials. Looks like a lot of people are building their own t-shirt cannons out there. Yeah, $800 seems like a lot of money to spend on a t-shirt cannon. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you know somebody who has made or fired a potato gun, like, the, I imagine it is similar. And, and as I understand it, potato guns are not too difficult to make. No. So... You know, how how about it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think this is I think this is one of those topics that in practice is not good, but in, in terms of like achievements of the human spirit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great that we figured this out. That we that that us infinite monkeys typed on infinite typewriters for long enough that one of us invented the t-shirt cannon is good to me. Yeah. No, I mean, 
I, I would like to think that the origins really are wholesome and that mascots really were like, I really want to get more t-shirts out to the people that deserve them further right. away. I don't imagine that was actually how this came about, um, but I, I am happy that it exists. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I wish I could time travel back to like hunter-gatherer early <laughs> civilization and when people are like, you know, realizing that clothes are kind of on the on the the that old hierarchy of needs and being like, yeah, but what if I could shoot them at you? Yeah, man, talk about fast. talk about fashion shows. How would that that would change everything, that right? Would change everything. models come down the runway and they're just like, you, you like, like this, this spring, dress? you like this spring look? Ba-ba-ba-ba. Uh, yeah, t-shirt cannon. That's my wonderful thing. Thank you, baby. That You're was a welcome. good one. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, uh, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows that they have there. You're going to love the way you look. I guarantee it. The I, I Oh, I released a bunch of music from Ether C. Yeah. It's on my band camp. Just uh, search. I, I I believe there's a Bitly link for it, and you could find that I'm sure at MacRoy.family. But uh, it's like it's like 30 songs, and it's a, it's a bunch of music, and I'm really proud of it. And uh, all all album sales from Adventure Zone uh, in in the month of January is going to be donated to uh, Earth Justice, which is a really great nonprofit. Um, we got a bunch of other merch also at uh, MacRoyMerch.com. Uh, there's uh, some. Flame Bright Dice, inspired by Taz Amnesty. Uh, there, there, there's, there's a bunch of great stuff on there. So go go check that out. And uh, I think that's it. We'll be back next week to talk about more jazz fusion and uh-huh. shirt weapons. <laughs> that's a guarantee. That's a guarantee. You heard this it here the first. The only thing I want to talk about now is jazz fusion and shirt weapons. So just keep it locked. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.